Welcome to another episode. So I'm Claire, feeling pretty screen glared out, but really happy to be uh, doing this today with you two. Uh, hey, Sabrina, do you want to introduce yourself? So hi, Sabrina, if you haven't heard me before. Um, my voice, I feel like I've delivered so many sessions online today that it's gone so like deep and croaky, but I'm going to do my best not to oh, sound. So true, don't <laughs> not, worry. Yeah. Some more upbeat. And we have an exciting guest today, um, Heather. So uh, Sabrina and I are re- really excited to, um, well, we were really pumped that you agreed to be on. So do you want to start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, so I, as you can tell, am uh, American by the accent, uh, <laughs> a transplant here in, in the UK. Um, I came, I moved here 2014, 2015, the second time around, um, and uh, ended up marrying a, a Brit and um, now have a British baby and I still don't have citizenships. <laughs> He's beaten to it. Yeah. Um, yeah so, and uh, I'm a second generation Filipino American. Um, my dad was in the military, so I moved around a lot. So, um, kind of moving all over the place is, is not really new for me. It's kind of, I enjoy the nomadic lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for a great intro. Um, and I guess, like, segueing into the first question we have for you, can you tell us more about, like, where you, well, I know you said you travel quite a bit but can you tell us more about like where you grew up and about your childhood yeah um so I was born in California um and we moved all up and down the west coast um dad was deployed a couple times um the gulf war played a a Mm -hmm. very big part in my childhood um and then when he retired uh we went for a complete shift uh in culture and lifestyle and moved um as far away as we could from the water to iowa um and which is where his family is from because people go why would you go there um (laughs) because his family's there um and and my family is still there um so my dad my brother my nieces my cousins um and uh, until basically i went off to university and i actually thought that I was going to go back to the West Coast um, to study and ended up even further in the Midwest in Indiana. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I've spent probably a lot more of my life in the States um, in the Midwest. Um, I did study abroad twice while I was at university, once in the UK, um, and then I did a semester in China for complete change of scenery. Um, So yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I've kind of been all over the place, but I don't feel like I'm that, you know, um, what's the word? Exciting. (laughs) No, that, that is exciting. I mean, that's like hilarious that you went from like sunny West California to, to uh, landlocked States, but you know, everyone has their own journey. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, part of it was also culture shock around the fact that, you know, um, 
I went from these classes of of lots of you know uh, different cultures and and actually you know knowing lots of children who come from Filipino backgrounds. So you know when we go over for um, you know parties and stuff, we we recognize the food and you know we're used to kissing all the people that we call aunties, but are probably not related to us in any way, shape, or form. Um, but when we moved to Iowa, it was completely different. Um, we, I mean, my brother and I were, you know, kind of feeling a bit out of place. Um, you know, the majority of, of the children in our class were white and hadn't really seen people of color before. And to be quite honest, I'm half white. So I kind of don't feel that, you know, I fit that description for them. So it was, it was really interesting. Um, and I think kind of that, that shift, kind of set the rest of, you know, kind of how I function in life in motion. Um, just because I think when we did get there, I, I then all kind of felt more like an outsider rather than anywhere else that I had lived before. And, and even though people are really lovely and friendly, you just get the feeling that you don't necessarily belong there. Um, and, you know, even though you, you do the things that you think you should, you join clubs, you have friends and stuff, you still kind of feel like an outsider. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, um, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I think if anything, you know, it, it kind of means that I can pick up and move and, and not feel too guilty about that sort of thing. But, um, I mean, overall, my childhood was pretty grand you know um there wasn't much uh scandal here and there although you know every now and then you think about you know the the things it was funny because I was um reading the the questions you had and I was like oh my gosh I really have to think about that because I don't know that that we ever talk about those things or you know and and you have to remember you know kind of the the bits of your childhood that you probably never ever thought about before yeah, yeah. so so it was actually a really nice trip down memory lane <laughs> yeah you're looking at it through an adult lens now <laughs> yes yeah definitely, definitely. Oh, sabrina did you want to say something now I'm just like sitting here just taking it oh, all yeah. in because in my head where you're talking about like the US it's just like okay let's test my geography like <laughs> where are they talking about <laughs> sorry I should I should clarify um so Iowa is like dead center um and it, most people only ever hear about it during presidential elections because it's mm. one of the first states to have a primary um so yeah the only time that you ever see kind of coverage is um during presidential elections so yeah nothing really exciting there I think it's interesting though because um it's like whenever I've met people um from the states or people talk about the states um not that many people really travel out of their state or sometimes it's like a big deal if they do but in the UK it's just like it's not really a big deal to go to like Manchester or to go to London it's like you'll you'll go to living up north I know that you will have a lot of people up north that really haven't traveled out of um like the north but when you think about the size of the UK and how I would say except accessible um different parts of it are even if you're not someone that travels it's like this scale of things and then when you think about politics and how they're up each other's asses it's just like why 
Sorry. Sorry. No, I don't want to take it off on a tangent. It's making me really like, because both of you obviously are American, it's making me really reflect on just how shitting game is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, now we have to write a swear warning for this episode. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know that might be the first time since season one that I've swore on the podcast. That is true. Yeah, that is. Well, is. I was actually going to say, though, like, um, <laughs> as much as I complain about trains here like the, the infrastructure does exist which is why people will probably go off to places more often but to um move away from that uh transport tangent um so yeah I mean the second question we kind of we were thinking about this because um yeah you we all look at um our memories through like an adult lens which um well let, let's just say it's interesting it's not necessarily bad it's not necessarily well, I don't know. Maybe it can be good. So, um, like, what messages about beauty and love, like, did you receive since childhood? And, like, who were your beauty and love or even health, how were you interpreted role models? Yeah, really good question. Um, and I had to think really hard about it because I guess I don't feel like there is an obvious um, kind of message about beauty. Um, my parents were always very loving. I mean, my dad, uh, not, not very, what's the word? He didn't use like, I love you a lot. Um, but I always felt it, you know, for example, um, when I was a child, I used to get migraines, um, once a month, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd come and check on me and put his hand on my head. And, um, you know, I kind of, now that I look back on it and see, you know, kind of the fact that my cousins are, you know, always said that they were, they were scared of him and intimidated by him. Oh. <laughs> um, it, it makes it, it, you know, I kind of think, oh, yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't have expected that from him. Um, but my parents were always really supportive, um, you know, always made sure that we did feel loved. Um, I think my mom really expresses herself through food. And I think if you know any Filipinos, food is our love yes. language. <laughs> and I see myself doing the same thing with with my child now. Um, but yeah, I in terms of beauty, I think... I think it's just the the things that I picked up on when I was a kid. So, and it wasn't really until I think I went on a on my semester in China that I started to kind of reflect and realize some of the things that I was seeing. Um, specifically, you know, my mom's um, kind of fascination with whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, wanting to have white skin and, and Heather don't go in the sun um, and uh, having, you know, very uh, white Christian names. Um, I remember my dad always said um, that he wanted us to have names that were easy to pronounce and that, you know, you just blend in in class. Um, and I remember asking my mom about it and, and I said, well, why Heather? And, you know, she said, um, oh, oh, well, when I first came over to the States, I was watching a lot of TV. Um, and then there was Heather LeClaire and Heather Thomas. Mm. And if you don't know these references, first of all, it makes me feel old. Second, <laughs> they're they're white, they're blonde, they're blue-eyed blonde bombshells. And and I'm none of those. <laughs> you I know, the so, by the way. So, yeah. <laughs> I did. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, when you when you think about those things you you start to realize oh well actually i was receiving 
messages, um, but they were probably not, you know, being processed in the way that maybe my mom thought. Um, and I think what's interesting is like when I went to university, I loved a tanning bed and I loved spray tans. <laughs> um, and as dark as I could be was great. And my mom yeah. was like, oh, you're getting really dark. You should really stay out of the sun. <laughs> Like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's my goal. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so things like that, um, you know, and, and kind of since I've moved out and when I go to visit my mom, you know, people notice that, you know, whenever you go to a, to a Filipino house, you're expected to eat, even if you've just had a full meal. Um, But there's always that, that little kind of uh, comment about weight Um, and you know you're looking a little bit chubby but here eat 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 (laughs) and it's not like it's a green salad it's like rice on top of rice on top of rice Uh, (laughs) so so yeah it's um it's those things and I won't say that my parents ever you know blatantly said oh you're fat or anything like that I think it's just kind of the messages I was receiving you know kind of subconsciously um but also from you know like the the things you see on tv and um you know the the fact that you have to be a certain way a certain skin color your hair has to be a certain way I mean I remember I had a (laughs) I had all these Barbies um and I had one in particular she was Hawaiian um she had this long beautiful black hair but it was um frizzy you know, like mine, kinky. Um, and every time I tried to brush it, it just went like this. And <sighs> it made me so angry. I was like, why can't your hair just be like the others? Oh <laughs> and most of those are just blonde, blue-eyed Barbies, you know? And, and you never think about these things um, until you kind of look back and go, wow, that's, you know, when you look at how many Barbies I had and I had one that was brown and had hair like me um and I got frustrated with you know her (laughs) so yeah I I don't know if if that tells a lot about me in a bad way (laughs) no no I mean it certainly honestly I'm sure Sabrina will agree but like a lot of what you said kind of like registers the immigrant mindset with me like especially like a lot of immigrants sorry friends with like immigrant because my like I, I'm an immigrant too uh like to the U.S. um like them like naming why did you name your child x oh because I saw it on a tv show it's like American which is just so hilarious and and you know I think like your Barbie example it's like we're so societally conditioned to expect one thing that when you finally have something that's a little different or even close to you you get frustrated subconsciously which you know, I guess it is a little bit insidious, but I guess on, I don't know if that's too harsh, but like on that note, um, like how has all of this, how has all of this like affected your um, parenting toward um, little Stevie? 
<laughs> Stevie. Um, <laughs> Sorry, he, that, that's what you call him, right? Yeah. I don't know if I can yeah. stay on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, it's it's that whole um, discussion with my partner um, about the fact that he calls him Steven and I call him Stevie. And well, if you wanted to call him Stevie, maybe you should have called him Stevie. <laughs> um, but, you know, I feel like Steven's a big name for him, um, although he is, he is a big character. Um, <laughs> Um, so I think with, with kind of how, how things are going as a parent, I think I'm a lot more aware of, of the messages that are out there, um, of, of my own kind of biases, um, because especially when I was reflecting for this, um, I was thinking, oh, how do I, you know, if, if I'm really quite insecure about, you know, my body, my hair, that sort of thing, how am I going to raise a child who is secure um, and confident about who he is and, and how he looks? Um, so I think that's I think that's probably a, a thing that a lot of parents think about is, you know, am I am I going to be able to parent my child well enough, you know, when in reality you are probably the best parent that they could have. Um, but, yeah, I. I remember we were watching um, Paw Patrol um, one day um, just to try and, you know, you run out of ideas really quickly with with toddlers. Um, And there were commercials coming on. Um, and it was little girls doing their makeup, um, and they are taking care of babies and, um, they're wearing little high heels and, you know, their dress up and I'm going, wow, this is really perpetuating, a, a you know, a gender role, yeah. a stereotype. Um, and it was interesting because after that, I, every commercial I was analyzing and going, oh, that's very masculine. That's, you know, like uh, to the extreme. Um, and I guess that I didn't realize that from such a young age that we're already conditioning children um, to understand these these heteronormative roles and, and where they fit in society. Um, and I think one of the things that, that my partner and I were very conscious about is, you know, even though we refer to Stevie as he, um, we know that he, he might not identify as he, um, and we want him to feel comfortable um, you know, in, in however he identifies. Um, but also, you know, when I, when I shop for clothes, I don't look for ultra masculine things, you know, like mommy's little man. I, those things kind of put me off. Um, you know, I'm not going to go out and buy him a pink dress, but you know, I just, I don't feel the need to put him in a, in a boy blue box, um, you know, with dirt and stuff. I, I, if he wants a doll, he can have a doll. Um, you know, I just, I think it's one of those things where I'm starting to realize, you know, I kind of want him to explore and, and find out who he is. I don't want to place those constraints on him because, you know, he'll have plenty of time to, to figure that out once he grows up. Um, I want him to, to explore and be a child and, and enjoy that. So I think that's that's kind of how things have evolved um, out of kind of the beauty and love message. And I know my mom, we Facebooked the other day, FaceTimed, um, and she said, 
oh my God, Heather, he's so fair skinned and he's got blue eyes. <laughs> Do you think his eyes are going to, his eyes look even more blue. And then um, I've been pulling his hair back because in lockdown, we can't, it, we can't go out and have a haircut. <laughs> so it's getting super long. Um, and I pulled it back and the top part is quite dark from when he was born, but the bottom part is actually quite light. In some places it's almost blonde. And my mom said, oh my gosh, is he going to have blonde hair? I I don't think so. And I was trying to downplay it because I'm like, well, actually I kind of like the dark hair, blue eyed look. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, what if he doesn't have blonde hair? Are you going to love him less? Um, So it's, it's, these kind of things that we're, we're kind of having conversations about and, mm. you know, realizing our own biases and, and, and those of our family, which, you know, is sometimes a bit difficult to approach with your family. Like, how do you say to your mom, stop talking about how white my baby is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's embarrassing, uh, you know, but I, I, at the same time, I recognize it and I want him to know, you know, like his role in terms of privilege and, and the fact that essentially he's going to pass as white, um, unless something drastic happens to him. But I, I just, you know, he's for all intents and purposes, it's going to be a white male. So, mm. yeah. yeah, I mean, First off, I think like it, it's so, ref- I know we talked about this before, like in our um, previous catch up, but it is so refreshing to hear about your open mindset toward parenting, especially in this like politically charged climate. Um, but second, yeah, I think um, I, I, I know that your your mom like is probably saying that like out of love and admiration for her grandchild, but I know that that's like another larger issue because um well I could only speak for Asian communities it's like oh who is America who is white probably blonde and blue so that is quote-unquote the most attractive and I mean if you get down to nitty-gritty like and you have conversations with your family they're going to like love your family members no matter what but it's just that like if you see an American movie especially I think it is changing now but it's always like, oh, white people are attractive. And, you know, even like Korean malls when I used to go as a kid, like white models splash everywhere. Now it's changed. Thank God. And Crazy Rich Asians, that movie hit the market. My cousins watched it and, you know, it was fine. It was great. It is changing. But yeah, I, I know that that stereotype still exists. It's so frustrating I don't know if you were in China sorry to I will I'll stop laughing in a minute but like when I first did epic in in Korea I had to be like no I'm American like I'm Korean American I don't know if you had that experience when you were in China to be like yes I look Asian but I'm 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 American I don't know have you had that yeah and it was funny because I wasn't expecting it because you know if you look at me um I'm pretty I mean, I had a, a college professor say that I am ethnically uh, vague, <laughs> you know, that I, you can, you kind of blend in. And in fact, he said, you, sh- you should probably apply for the CIA. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, but I, I mean, and most people, they can tell that I'm not 100% white, but they don't know exactly. So it's like the, where are you from, from? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and then other people are just like, well, I don't know. So I'm going to treat you as white. Um, (laughs) but when I went to China, I wasn't expecting that because Mm -hmm. I had loads of, of classmates on the program that were, 
you know, Taiwanese, um, Chinese, definitely looks it, they speak it. Um, and here I am, you know, in my English, I had no understanding of Mandarin or anything. Um, and I had a taxi driver one night say, oh, no, she's Chinese. And my, my <laughs> friend was like, no, she's not, she's American. And he said, no, but you're not like a full American. And I oh. said, I'm, I'm half white and I'm half Filipino. He's like, yeah, but you have to be some Chinese because you've got dark hair. And I was like, oh, no. dear. I mean, there might be somewhere in my ancestry, but I'm, as far as I'm aware, I'm not Chinese. So I wasn't actually expecting that. And so yeah. it actually it really caught me by surprise. And I think in some ways it probably started to shed light on my experience in China because, you know, I had um, classmates who were white um, they had blonde hair um, and they were having pictures taken with them. People you know, <sighs> wanted to touch them. Yeah. Um, and I never had that. Um, and when I went to Hegel and Market, I didn't really ever have any problems with like price gouging or anything like that because they thought I was Chinese. Yeah. It's like, well, on one hand, cool but on the other <laughs> hand it's like no but I, you know we well, just because I look a certain way doesn't mean that you know I am you know Chinese and in fact you know sometimes they'd start speaking Chinese to me and I'm like sorry uh, I don't know what you're saying yeah. <laughs> oh yeah it's so interesting isn't it go on about this forever but yeah sorry Sabrina I know you wanted to say something no, there's just there's so many so many levels. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to it. Yeah. You know, when you have to start backtracking in your mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the first point is um, it's funny when you were talking about um, parenting because we had a similar conversation um, a few days ago with the other member of um, Introspectives, um, Sarah, because she's got a little boy, and we were um, all saying that when it comes to like. Um, toys that are marketed at kids um, there's this whole thing about um, being gender neutral but then you don't market things as being gender neutral and you don't design toys to be gender neutral and the example we gave was like a doll they don't like advertise dolls towards boys and be like oh you can be a great mother but you expect a little girl to have like a doll and be like oh learn how to look after a baby um you need to be teaching guys how to look after a baby because yeah. at, at some point they're gonna learn that they needed to make one so they need to learn that they need to look after it too so um, it's just the way and there's always something insidious in people's minds it's just like stop sexualizing kids and that's what it comes down to. It's just like there's nothing wrong with a child having an interest in um, a dress or them having an interest um, in playing with a doll. Um, it's stop sexualizing them and trying to put them, um, trying to decide their sexuality. <laughs> a little boy could play with a dress and it have no, absolutely no impact on who he grows up to be he just yeah. like playing with a dress when he was younger yeah. or if he wants to paint your nails well if you've seen all the girls paint your nails and you're painting theirs too it's just like that doesn't mean he's going to grow up wearing nail varnish every day like just stop like the, uh, stop forcing yeah. kids they will grow and they will learn you just shield them from what is harmful like predators and crime <laughs> and things like that <laughs> do you know when they've got it twisted over what's actually harmful to kids and what's not oh, and the pressure yeah. that society puts on them yeah. is what's the most um 
And then um, when you were talking about your your mom, I find that in like every culture, I feel like there's the women just don't have, I wouldn't say they don't have, but they have um, a warped view on kind of what is um, beauty. And that stems back to kind of how different um, cultures and different nations and whatnot were oppressed and all of that. So when you see the argument today, oh, well, that happened so many years ago. Like, why do you care about it? We care about it because it's had an impact on generations to the point that we're we are how we are. Because yeah. it's it's learned behavior that's been passed on to us, and we wouldn't have learned that this behavior if your ancestors didn't do what they did. Just because you've profited and you've benefited off their actions, so you can live in ignorance. We can't live in ignorance because it's like the scars are just yeah. being passed on, just pushed on yeah. to you over and over. We don't have um, the privilege, and like, how do we react to what our parents? Because we can't be like. <laughs> You can't act like you can't say these things because it's like it's not they're just coming with good intentions. It just doesn't come across as good intentions. Um, you know, you're just trying to try to piece together the conversation. That's <laughs> there. Um, there was another point um, I was going to make. And for the life of me, it's like completely like evaporated. Well, do you want to move um, on to the next question? Yeah, let's just keep it. Oh, it ties into the <laughs> oh, next question. Okay, great. <laughs> um, no, it's because every time you keep mentioning mentioning like Filipino food, like my heart breaks <laughs> because <sighs> when I worked as like a carer, yeah. um, the cook was um, Filipino, and when she used to cook for the residents, we got to eat the food too. Um, oh. So I just lived literally in that kitchen. And um, because she knew that when I moved away to uni that I'd lost my mom, it's like she adopted like the mother role. And um, when I used to do night shifts, she used to bring me um, dinner in the morning. So when I woke up in the evening, I could eat. She wouldn't let me leave the building without breakfast. Like she really played that mother role. And it's like you said with food, every moment, like the fridge opened, Sabrina, eat something eat something yeah it's like I am full and I'm eating I'll be in the bistro by myself eating like my lunch and then a dessert gets put in front of me and a cup of coffee and it's like oh the love I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it out of the building and I think doing those kind of shift patterns if she didn't feed me I think I would have starved <laughs> like I'm not exaggerating I think she could tell her needed it but um yeah and it's just um and the final point I was gonna make is that um just listening to you and Claire like share different experiences and not because you're from the States, but looking at the three of us and we come from different cultures and different backgrounds, but then along the way, there's so many different similarities in terms of the experiences um, that we've had um, the encounters that we have with people and just kind of the way our parents have like passed on certain messages and then during like COVID, I've seen just so much hate around just different races all the time. And I just think us as like, we're classed as ethnic minorities. Let's face it. We're all, we're all put in this one category and it's like us against them. And I don't want to make it an us against them thing. But when we're looking at all these different battles that we have to face in terms of just being treated 
normal. It's like, why do we, on a bigger scale, why do we fight with each other when we've literally, we're carrying the same scars just in a different way? And I just hate when it's like me and Kai were mentioning like um, some of the hate crime that are on um, Asians, Asian Americans, and like the perpetrators of it. And when I see another black person um, acting in, I would call it, I call that behavior a racist way towards another person, breaks my heart because I think it wasn't 400 years of slavery enough. Or do you, do you have to inflict the pain on somebody else because then you're just as bad as the people that are trying to oppress us? Yeah, you guys have just, you know, and it's been, it's been a good, it's been a good conversation. I'm just sat here, just like absorbing it all and just forgetting that I have to participate. Um, so moving on to um, the next question. So how do you navigate your race and culture after I've just like thrown all that on you? How do you do No, it? no, no, that was important. They're all good yeah. points. <laughs> Very good points. In fact, I'd like to go back to um, what you just mentioned about you know, how, how some of, of the perpetrators of, of the violence has, have been from the black community and um, the internalized racism that's happening within the Asian community. And, and some people saying, well, you know, uh, of course there's racism because look at they're, they're doing these things to us. Um, and then there are those of us who are saying, yeah, but don't you understand that's, that's part of this, you know, white system of oppression is they're putting us against each other and we're fighting for the crumbs. You know, we're not, we're not at the big table We're we're down below. Um, so I think it's been really fascinating, but also really heartbreaking to see, you know, how this is, is, you know, kind of blooming within in the community. And I'm really hoping that, you know, those of us who who are, you know, actively, you know, anti-racist in all forms, it's it's not just about one particular community, um, you know, are able to have those conversations and and actually talk with the community members, you know, even with my mom, um, you know, I have, I constantly have to talk with her about these things because it's not something that I think, oh yeah, well, she's a Filipino immigrant. So of course she's anti-racist. She's not, you know, like she, she buys into the stereotypes and I, I don't blame her because that's, you know, what she learned and that's what she's picked up from, you know, the, the years of, of American, you know, for lack of a better word, colonization of the Philippines. Um, so, you know, how is she supposed to know any different unless, you know, we talk to her? And I think it's it's hard because, you know, you have these conversations and, and you hope for change, but at the same time you're thinking, you know, is is my one conversation going to make a lot of change? And I, I think that's kind of going into the navigating the race and the culture and probably why um, I chose to go into education, into higher education, is because I feel like it's a good place to to not just educate, but also to to learn constantly. Um, and obviously, race and culture is is such a dynamic um, area, and it's changing all the time. And everything that we know about it is constantly changing. You know how how people want to be identified, um, how how we you know, it, cultures alone, you know, change over time. And, and what we knew, you know, years ago about one particular culture may not be, you know, relevant today or, or you know, uh, current in, in what we discussed. So um, I think for me, it's, it's always been around education and 
um, you know, the more that I can read and, and teach myself, because I don't expect anybody to ever um, educate me on the ins and outs of anybody's race. You know, if, if they want to share with me, I'm always curious and I'm happy to learn. Um, but I think that given all the information that we have and and all the 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 knowledge that we have at our fingertips there's absolutely no excuse why we can't take this up ourselves and if if we're really serious about being anti-racist and you know um trying to change things and you know make meaningful lasting change then you know we have to take it upon ourselves to really educate and if that means you know reading loads and loads of books and news articles and um, diversifying your social media feed. Um, I mean, that's something that I just did last year. And I hadn't even realized that I wasn't following, you know, people of color. I wasn't following people from my own community. And I was thinking, oh, well, let's fix that, you know, and all of a sudden I went on the spree of following everybody. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I didn't even think about that. Um, as a as a source of, you know, opening my eyes to to what's out there, and and actually as a result, I've seen so many great um, people who are putting out lots of information, scholars, artists, um, and I really, I mean, quite frankly, I live on Instagram now. <laughs> as a result, um, I know I know I need to check facts and stuff like that. I, I'm always doing that. But hmm. yeah, I think Instagram has has become, you know, a bit of a lifeline. And I think it's also really nice because they're kind of bite-sized pieces that lure you in to go, ooh, I really like that point. I want to learn more. Um, so yeah, I think in the modern age, Instagram <laughs> has become my, my source of, of um, trying to keep up with with all that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, um, Instagram has released some amazing infographics about like racing campaigns. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, and f- first off, I'll try to I'll try to keep this short. But I'm really glad that uh, Sabrina brought that up. Because I think when, in particular, I would say like um, white allies with good intentions, when they first look at race, they look at white and black issues, literally. And I'm not saying black issues are not important. Of course, they are. I, I personally believe um, their black issues are a priority in the U.S. and in the U.K. That goes without saying. And I know a lot of I just want to call out this. Um, Asian American and maybe Asian British narratives where they, especially the immigrant communities, they say like, but what about us? We've suffered. It's like, yes, you've suffered in China and Korea in your respective Asian countries. No one's saying you didn't suffer, but it's just that in the US, hundreds of years of slavery. And then, you know, we get put into this ethnic, uh, oh my God, wait, model minority category, you know, that's done on purpose. That's not to benefit us. It's to benefit white supremacy. And then you look at Asian British people here, you never hear about Chinese involvement in World War II or in Lees of the history. Why? It's another white supremacy thing or about Windrush, another white supremacy issue. But that being said, Asian people are told to stay quiet. And I've accidentally bought into it as well. And it's only this year I've been like, 
you know what, I am going to speak up. Like my issues matter, but I can also be an ally toward the black community too. Like there's no way, like you can't do both. Actually, you should do both. And I love that you mentioned Instagram, Heather. You can diversify your feed. You can watch different Netflix films. Stop watching another white chick flick. Yes. Watch a different movie with like yes. black protagonists and Asian and Latinx. Like, oh, um, so yeah, I, j- I just wanted to say I'm, I'm loving that we, we brought this into, into this conversation. So I'm just, I need to like, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm delayed and it's my Wi-Fi that usually glitches, but I feel like it's me today. <laughs> No, it's it's the end of the day. I, yeah, sorry, we scheduled the end of the day. No, um, feel the same way. I really liked how you talk about education because that's what me and Claire work in. We work in education. Yeah, we have a lot the, of similarities. The today, joys, so um, and it's true. We don't get taught history um, correctly in education, and not just um, in history. Like when we're doing subjects like um, sociology or psychology, anything that needs like theoretical application or examples there's never any diversity in the examples that we're we're getting shown um so regards to kind of if you want to gloss over history but if you're going to talk about um, a doctor or something why does it have to be either a white doctor or stereotypic or an asian doctor yeah <laughs> yeah that is it all yeah. um there's a lot of stereotyping with what people are or what jobs and and the examples of names that you give for jobs because kids aren't stupid you know that if you read a particular name you're going to assume the culture that that name comes from if you see a name akeem you're not going to uh, um, associate akeem with a white boy um, even though there there was one at my school, I, w- I was surprised. I have to admit, because you don't you don't come yeah. across names like that. Yeah. Um, so we're already having assumptions, and when we're reading books in school, we we automatically assume that the characters going to be white so we don't get any representation we don't get any facts or anything taught to us and that's when we go out into the world being ignorant and I have to admit like social media has played a part in kind of us being able to teach ourselves and get the information that Mm -hmm. we that we need even if we do have to do a lot of um source searching and finding out if it's true and fact checking but at the end of the day it's still information that we wouldn't have got regardless um and when you was talking about how you need to kind of diversify your Instagram I was there thinking oh my my Instagram is pretty diverse but that's only like from an art perspective because I enjoy doing art so for me when I'm just drawn in by art I don't really look at who's producing it it just happens that I do like a diverse (laughs) range of art but then I think of all the pages where they're out giving out information about different cultures so I know what's going on in the world and all I do is save it and I need to all follow it or just save like um, a post and um, I really do need to get into the habit of actually taking the time to read the post or to kind of invest in the page and it's so easy just to kind of ignore information but when it's handed to us and um, the pandemic I feel like in terms of race relations I don't know whether it's going to change it for for the good or or for the bad I just know that it is very tense right now Um, there's a lot Mm -hmm. going on and it's it's not pointed in one direction it's like everyone's going to be caught in the crosswires, especially if you keep up with the different things going on. So just making sure that I'm um, literate in terms of culture when this situation um, progresses. I can't say if it's going to get worse or it gets better. I just know it's going to move forward in some direction. But 
yeah, I think that's why these these conversations are important, and hopefully our, our listeners take on board our messages. Um, yeah, especially here because we always look at American race narratives, and yes, you know, yes. It's, it's very silent, and and especially with Bojo's announcement of um, <laughs> Chinese New Year, not Lunar New Year, and all those hate comments. Yeah, like, come on, sorry to go there. I we're, we're going to no. talk about this. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a rant that's like burning in the in the <laughs> chest. Like when I when I share things on my story, it's like I can only get so far. And there's a lot of posts that have been deleted and never made it to my story. Cause I feel like if I put it up there, then a rant needs to follow it. Like I can't just put it up there without without my voice. And I thought my voice might make me lose my job. So let's not. Let's backtrack and not do these things. Do you know when you have to check yourself when <laughs> no. you post yeah. things or comment well, on things and more, but. to to like an employer that's something that you could lose your job over but for us it's like this is this is offensive this is racist this this energy needs it needs to meet the same mm-hmm. kind of energy back but it can't be tolerated and I think it's unfortunate that um employment is the most like white people are in the, the high positions that's not yeah, it's that's not a secret problem. it's it's a fact so when you know that you're up against um race as it is being a minority you'll always be up against races e gosh man uh, heather did you want to say <laughs> yeah. something before we move on to question <laughs> yeah no but that was a really good point i just I, I mean i know that there are colleagues of mine who follow me on instagram to be fair i'm not <laughs> I don't have it set on private. Maybe I should do that. Um, but yeah, so, and I try to keep it separate from, you know, work, social media and stuff and, and try not to get too political, but at the same time, like some of it's not political, it's a human rights issue. And I think that's something that, that I feel really strongly about, you know, especially as an educator, you know, saying black lives matter to me, is not political. It's a human rights issue. Um, and I think, you know, especially if you're working with students, they need to see that if you support them, that, that, you know, you're visible, that you're there. Um, you know, and if you're not saying Black Lives Matter, then, you know, they're sitting there going, well, I probably can't talk to them because, you know, this yeah. is a political thing. And, and you know, what about all lives? And Ugh, you know, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I mean, I probably should be a little bit more careful about my Instagram, but quite frankly, I'm kind of like, you know what, I'm over it. If, if you don't like me because you think it's political, then maybe I shouldn't be working for you. You know, maybe that's not Mm. the right place for me to be. And it's your personal account as well. (laughs) Yes, it is my personal account. They're all my own opinions. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but look how we have to police our we have to police our own voice. And because in case it's misinterpreted the wrong way. And all we're trying to do is defend ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so before we um freedom start freedom fighting um so (laughs) so i feel i feel i feel like another i think i've said that every episode i've recorded since we've been in lockdown i need another episode i need to yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and i was i was so tired earlier but now i've just got crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) okay so um, I know that you've mentioned that you you moved around quite a bit and you lived in China for a bit. So how has living in different cultures changed your perceptions of beauty? And are there any lasting changes in your perceptions of beauty? 
Claire, you don't want me to speak properly. So many P's and G's and S's. Okay. This was your question. <laughs> oh, <this> was- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> um, actually, I have to say, I think a lot of what I've learned kind of in, when I say later years, <laughs> in the more modern years of, of my life, um, is I think has come from the UK. Um, and what I've noticed is that even though there, there are still, you know, messages and stereotypes and gender roles that are being played out um, and, you know, certain body types and that sort of thing, there's still really uh, more than the States. Um, I think a more tolerant um, or accepting view of, of who you are naturally, whether that's, you know, jiggly body or um, a wonky nose or, you know, um, the wrong color hair or whatever. Um, they just seem to be, I guess, more accepting of, of, natural features um you know and i i guess i say that because when i was i think i've now dated probably more british guys than i have american now. <laughs> um but they've it, the comparison between the two is is amazing because on one hand you've got you know the american guys who are who are kind of like oh you're getting a bit fat um whereas <gasps> you know uh no but I did remember one of my friends said that to me when she went on a date and I was like oh no Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah Yeah. deal breaker (laughs) yeah exactly or I mean or the fact that you might not even get a date because you don't look a certain way on your profile or when you meet them in person um but here I I kind of felt like that the people that I dated um and obviously I've not dated everybody but um they've been really kind of I don't know, um, more open towards, you know, the, the natural curves of a woman's body. Um, and, you know, I've always, I can't say that I've always felt, um, comfortable in my own skin. And I, I think part of that comes from the U S where, you know, where we're taught to be modest and, and we've kind of got this prudish view on sex and, um, and I think here it's a bit different. It's a bit more, you know, au natural. And um, it's, you know, fine to talk about, you know, your your body and, um, you know, to be a bit more open with it. And I think that as a result, I think I've, I won't say that I'm still fully comfortable in my own skin, but I think I'm a lot more comfortable here than when I am in the States. Um, and I know, I mean, my, my partner and I were talking about this a couple nights ago, cause I said, you know, that guy on TV would never be on TV in the States. Mm. No, he'd be in the back room typing up script. He wouldn't be on TV, you know, and it's, it's those things that you think about that, you know, here in the UK, I'm used to seeing all these different people of different um, body types of different looks, different ages on TV. Whereas in the States, it's, you know, you're, you're kind of cultivated to, you know, fit a certain way to look a certain way. Um, And it's really kind of interesting considering, you know, we talk about the obesity um, crisis in America, and yet there really aren't very many obese people on TV. So, 
you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting conundrum that, you know, we're, we're so invested in, in watching beautiful people on TV um, that we forget that actually they don't look like us. You know, yeah. I want to see more natural people, people who look like me on TV. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it has to, it has to be realistic. You want to see, like, realistic people on on TV. But I find that so interesting that you said that because I don't know if it's because, like, I grew up in the East Coast and then you grew up in the Midwest. Because I'm trying to, like, because in my opinion, I actually think there's more tolerance in terms of, bodies in the u.s than here so i was like oh wow (laughs) i don't know maybe maybe you're right maybe i need to like dig through memory lane a little bit more but wow that's so interesting i'll have to think about that and reflect on it um but yeah sorry serena to steal your thunder for that that that's just you know it's really made you like think hard (laughs) you really did like i'm sat here and i've got a slight headache um so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm so glad like people on the podcast can't see my facial expressions i'm just <laughs> feel like i look so this will be our first video uh part, no, i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> don't need any youtube followers um <laughs> so that, like i've got a youtube um it's claire's claire's fault um yeah the UK see whenever I compare the the UK and the US I feel like they're similar it's just the UK shady that's how I see it Um, and I don't know whether it's the size of the US or like the impact that the the media from the US has on um kind of culture across the world and say including like the UK as well so I don't know if because of the scale we just feel it more I feel like it's more intense from the UK I feel like everything like um even conflict it's more intense I think every even politics I think everything every angle that you look at issues it's like intensified coming from the US um Mm -hmm. You yeah, can I think from that's true. The US yeah. feel that like being kind of across the water. Um, <laughs> okay. I, so I, I don't know. I feel like that in in my mind is the only way I can kind of like compare or kind of um, come up with something in relation to that. Because I would say in the UK we do there is it's sh- yeah it's shady. Everything is kind of behind closed doors like nothing is like in your in your face like you really kind of have to dig for it or thanks to social media you just have to look at the comments it's always the comments it's Mm. never the what's on screen and things that happen on screen it's always the complaints that get get written in everything is kind of like the nosy neighbor in the UK just someone's behind the curtain writing the next feature on you or complaining against about something you've done whereas in the u.s someone's likely to just say it to your face <laughs> and just be mm-hmm. yeah kind of true. that about it um and i think it's the same with like body image and like what we see in terms of like adverts on tv i think um the bbc i would say they and like news outlets like that and um like the core channels like channel five and four and whatever it is like the standard stuff you come across in the uk um i feel like they really in check with 
trying to meet the diversity quota. Do you know when they're like, okay, we're going, we're going to make sure all of this. And the BBC and ITV, I'd say they're the prime two where they'll make sure that everything that's on their channels um, kind of gets the, the green light. Um, that's not saying that they don't have little things that do slip up on TV or in the papers, but when that happens, someone's complaining or someone's commenting on it. So, do you know, I wouldn't say it gets nipped in the bud, but it gets highlighted quick. Um, so the things that are insidious, they might not get dealt with, but they'll get they'll get made aware of eventually. And that's what I mean by like a little shady undercurrent. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. Point. I've really, I've really, I've really enjoyed this, uh, this conversation. Yeah, me feel too. Like, I feel like a child that doesn't get out much. I've really enjoyed you guys' <laughs> company. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a really good chat, and it's nice to finally meet you, Heather, and hear about you. When I was listening, um, I was thinking, do you know, like when you like listen to an audio book, and it's just soothing, and you just, you just chilling and listening. I yeah, you have a great I was, voice. I thought that's what I said. No, you really like. I didn't want to say you've got audio book voice. I feel like that sounds rude, but I feel like do you know, like listening to. It just just nice to nice to listen to. Yeah. Is, your your I, son must get great stories. <laughs> well, I'll take it as a compliment because I remember when I was a kid, um, I got made fun of and people used to call me chipmunk because I had this very nasally high-pitched voice. <laughs> and to be honest, you know, like I was I don't know what I can do about that. Um, but yeah, so it's it's quite nice that somebody said that I have audio book voice. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> um, I guess we just want to ask you one last question before sure. yep. we freedom yeah. fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, it's a way that we usually kind of wrap up the podcast with our guests yeah. and it's just kind of, how do you practice self-care? Like whichever way you want to interpret that question. Yeah, it's, um, I have to say that I'm getting back on the self-care horse um, after giving birth, um, I fell really hard off of it. Um, and I think a lot of mothers do. Um, and it can be minimalized down to things like not, you know, having time to take a shower or, um, you know, you're always drinking a cold cup of tea or coffee, um, because you're not really prioritizing yourself. Um, and it took, um, it took a course of uh, self-guided uh, CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I was self-referred, um, but it was through the help of my health visitor. Um, you know, in talking, she kind of realized there's something not quite right. You're, you know, kind of in a very low mood. You're very anxious. Um, and she said, you know, are you, are you doing anything for yourself? And I was like, not really. I don't, I don't have time. You know, I've got a baby who's nursing and when he's asleep, I'm pumping and I can't do anything when I've, <laughs> when I'm pumping, you know, so, so it just became this thing. And, and maybe for some people they enjoy binge watching TV, but I mean, when you're doing that all day long, because you've got a child strapped to you, um, you know, it kind of, all of a sudden it's, it's not really self-care anymore. Um, and I think, I think the fact that Stevie is now kind of in a place where he's, um, you know, he can kind of entertain himself a bit more um, and he's on more of a routine. Um, I've been able to kind of get back to the things that I enjoy. Um, you know, I can't really take 
showers on the days that he's here because he is now mobile. Um, <laughs> and we all know what that's like. Um, so yeah. Um, but for example, I've started getting back into crocheting and knitting. Um, and I, for the first time volunteered to try out some, a test somebody's pattern. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, oh. but I thought, you know, it'll, it'll make me each night, you know, devote like an hour or something to doing something I really enjoy. Um, and reading, I bought a book, um, <laughs> and I've started it. It's the Latinos of Asia. Um, cause I realized that I've been reading a lot of stuff about, um, black history and, um, particularly black British history, um, which I've really found very fascinating, but I realized that maybe in order to help um, me be a better ally, I need to maybe understand the context of, of my race, um, and our issues with racism and colonialization. Um, and so, yeah, I, I bought a book for myself and I thought, Ooh, that's a treat. (laughs) Well, cause you know, when you're in London, you spend, hours and hours commuting. And I took for granted all the books that I was reading, all the things that I was getting to do on my commute. And all of a sudden I didn't have that. And I think the other problem is that I'm an introvert and I didn't, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but I didn't realize that as an introvert, I was still going to need a break from my child. (laughs) You know, like I need alone time, even if it's just for 15 or 20 minutes, even without my child. Um, and I didn't, I didn't fully, you know, realize that, that I would still need that. And, and because of that, I think the self, I didn't realize how important self-care was in, in my own mental health, because I struggle with anxiety. And I didn't realize that part of that is, is mm. routine, um, you know, getting sleep and being able to do, you know, crafting or reading a book or just doing something that I want to do. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a struggle. Um, I have to say I I'm feeling better about it these days. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm getting back to kind of pre-pregnancy Heather, um, and, you know, kind of the self-care and, and that identity. Cause I think a lot of times mothers lose, you know, that site of, of who they are and, and think that, you know, their only identity is motherhood. Mm. Um, and I'm determined that motherhood is part of my identity, but it, it intersects with all the other identities that I have. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a struggle. Um, and there are some days where it's, it's still tough to find time to do the things that I want to do. Um, but I think it's a gradual, thing that I have to work at. Um, and it sounds silly to say that I have to, to practice self-care um, and really, you know, try to make an effort. But, you know, when you're, you know, um, you've got a, a tiny human, you know, who's wandering about um, and you've got work um, and you're all at home on top of each other because you're in lockdown. Um, you know, it's it's a lot harder and, and you have to be a bit more creative about these things. I mean, my partner and I have been very intentional that when we spend time together, that we want it to be quality, but we're also 
spending intentional time apart, whether that means he's upstairs playing football manager. I don't know. What it is. <laughs> Apparently that's a thing here. <laughs> so he's, he's like addicted to it. Um, but that's fine because he'll take an hour, he'll go play it. Um, and, you know, I can be left to watch, you know, Bridgerton or crochet <laughs> or drink a hot cup of tea. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think, I think, you know, you have to get creative, especially in, in lockdown because, you know, the things that I used to do were, you know, like go buy a coffee at a, a cafe and sit in the window and people watch, um, you can't do. Um, so, you know, what do you do in lieu of that? So, yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, like, first off, wow. Like so many, I mean, everything you said was very, well articulated and very very important but but yeah I mean you brought up such crucial points like um using your like through through your like parent lens like wow so thank you so much for sharing and second your I saw the photo you posted of Stevie wearing your latest knitting project <laughs> yeah. or crocheting project so good like I, I I can't knit or crochet or do anything for my life so I, I was just super <laughs> impressed the patterns were like the flowers were so cute. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. Some, you should follow Heather, Sabrina. <laughs> you shouldn't, because it's all just weird stuff that's on my page. It's very eclectic, is what I'll say. <laughs> that's the best Instagram page. <laughs> I, like, I like knitting. I can knit a scarf, and that's Ooh. about it. I knitted a pair of baby boots years ago. When I was in, I was in primary school, actually. I was in year five. Oh, okay, way to show off oh. and raise the bar now. Yeah, my, my nan could crochet and knit and then my mom could knit. And do you know when you just, it's the thing that just everyone does in the house, yeah. they just knit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my auntie in Wales, she knit me a cardigan and said that she's never going to knit anybody else anything again because it like drove her crazy the pattern <laughs> she said that if it yeah, was they look really hard yeah she says that it stressed her out and um yeah so I I ruined it for the rest of it <laughs> um, but you're just your your response was just so like wholesome because it was like yeah. the journey of self-care and I think some people don't realize um the importance of really kind of spending time on yourself um and I was I remember just telling my cousin it's the first time I really described to her like how I practice self-care and like what I'm doing now and just little things and I'm thinking why did I have I been looking after myself like I know I've been showering and feeding like <laughs> eating food and exercising when I can but really have I really been looking after myself like just putting like a face mask on or just Sheet having mask, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. So um, just doing things like that or just steaming my face when, I, when I've got time or kind of painting your toenails and you just, not everybody needs to paint their toenails. Um, but just, you know, like any, any way you kind of pamper yourself, whether you, like physically pamper yourself or even what you said about reading a book I could share your excitement because I used to live off books I it would take me a week and that would be on to the next one yeah now it takes me like a week to get through like two chapters and just but the 
the kind of feeling I feel inside knowing that I've started to read again it's like I can read like yeah. really I'm reading it <laughs> so yeah um before I take this off in a tangent and in so many different directions <laughs> um thank you again yeah, for um joining us again for being back and I'm already thinking about what the next episode can be. Um, Claire will contact you with the details. Uh, you, you've just and implied it, that uh, she'll be back. But yeah, we would love <laughs> to have you back for a deep dive. Like, honestly, like this was this is just so interesting. And I didn't know that you um, grew up in the Midwest. And like, it's so fascinating to hear about your insights. So. Yeah, we would love to have you back if if you're interested. Yeah, we totally love to be back. In fact, I've really I think it's been really nice to to just chat. I think I mean as an introvert, I don't usually enjoy that. Usually it's like, oh, okay, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> but I think because we've been cooped up and we haven't really been able to see people, it's it, this is really nice. It's it's a, you know fresh air because most of the meetings that I'm doing the virtual ones are all business work business Mm -hmm. work business work so this is really nice that it's you know a chat yeah thank you so much